Welcome to the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series. Podcast episodes are available on VHHA.com and on popular podcast hosting apps, including Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and many others. We're a member of the Public Health Podcast Network, the Virginia Audio Collective, and the Family Podcast Network. Episodes also air each Saturday at noon and Sundays at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, and 820 AM across Central Virginia, and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. on 93.9 FM in Richmond. Please send questions, comments, feedback, or guest suggestions to pcfpodcast at vhha.com. Again, that's pcfpodcast at vhha.com. I'm Will, your host, and today we're excited to be joined by Molly Luck, a music therapist at VCU Health. We're going to cover her work as a music therapist, the program at VCU Health, and more. But before all that, welcome to the show, Molly. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, we appreciate you taking some time. As I just mentioned, our, our topic today is music therapy, which, for those who may not have been aware, myself included, I actually found this pretty interesting, dates all the way back to the writings of Aristotle and Plato. My assumption is that music therapy has developed a long, a long way since way back in that day, but as far as an institutional setting goes, uh, it's been in practice since the late 1700s, according to the American Music Therapy Association. Just to kick things off, if you would give us sort of a 30,000-foot view of what you think music therapy is um, and what it looks like in y'all's program. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, like you said, music therapy has evolved a lot. But, I mean, music has always been used as a way, whether people realized it or not, it was a, a therapeutic modality. It was a form of connection, a form of healing, everything like that. Um, and music therapy at VCU Health specifically, uh, my colleague Melissa Owens has been here approximately 20 years. And she joined the program of arts and healthcare here and began kind of like a, a grant funded program and slowly built over the years. And I joined the team full time in 2018 and we hope it continues to grow. We see patients throughout the inpatient setting. So we see adults, children, and we get most of our referrals from team members like nurses, physicians, chaplains, social work, uh, occupational therapy, physical therapy, recreational therapy. So anybody on the team who might notice a patient who would benefit from our services. And we have a lot of really wide ranging patients we see. Some people, it might be just one session. Other people, they might be admitted for months, and so we'll see them over a longer period of time. So really, we, I mean, every day here is different. We have to be ready for anything, but it's, it makes so much sense in the, in the medical setting and other settings as well that we would include music therapy as a, as a part of a patient as their clinical plan because music is one of the things that's with us throughout life and we all have a connection to it. And so music therapy as an established profession, we use it in more intentional and targeted ways, but it complements a, a patient's care plan really nicely. Healthcare's constant complexities and distractions can make it difficult to focus on medicine. Covaris can help. Covaris offers medical liability insurance, value-based care risk protection, employer stop-loss insurance, and so much more. You can count on Covaris for protection and services that help you stay free to focus on improving clinical, operational, and financial outcomes. 
Find out all that Covaris can offer you at Covaris.com. That's C-O-V-E-R-Y-S.com. Insurance products issued by Medical Professional Mutual Insurance Company and its insurance subsidiaries. I'm curious, for especially those patients who might be admitted in the hospital for a long period of time who you might work with on a continuing basis, and really for any patient, is it more participatory on their end? Like, are they participating in the creation of music with you, or are they just taking it in? I guess it varies from patient to patient, but that that's always intrigued me. Yeah, it, it very much varies from patient to patient. So some patients are limited in what they can actively participate in, and so we always try to become familiar with um you know, where the patient is and meet them where they are. And so sometimes that involves a patient passively engaging. And so we might be doing um, more on our end, but other patients, they might be able to actively participate in different ways. And so I know recently we've had patients who have been here for a long admission and the hospital is not a place that's easy to be for months on end. I mean, much less days on end. It's a difficult environment to be in. So we try to find ways to help them cope during their time here. But also for some patients, we might want to establish new coping skills. And that can include playing an instrument, like learning to play an instrument. We've had folks who, when we begin with them, they say, I've always wanted to learn guitar. I just never got around to it. And then you know, we have this time available, and so we might teach them kind of the foundations of playing an instrument, and uh, we've had patients leave here as like a an established guitar player or ukulele or keyboard, things like that. It's not always what we do, but it's very much based on the patient needs. So some patients do need something a little bit more active, and some patients they need more so like help with relaxation. So we'll go over different relaxation exercises or techniques to involve them in a meditation or relaxation practice while they're here, all different kinds of things. That's fantastic. Y'all really covered the whole array of of offerings here. That's really cool. And I I had no idea that some patients could pick up an instrument through y'all's programs. That's fantastic. You know, so many of us like in elementary school, we have a music class, but then beyond that, music is something that there's a high barrier to entry frequently, whether it's financial or time or things like that. And um, when we get the opportunity to include that in a patient's life, it's really awesome to see them leave confident and knowing like, I've had folks say like, you know, I'm going to learn these songs for my kids. I'm going to share this with my friends and and watch it become something that is a part of their life that they can take with them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you said it there. It, it does become a part of your life, and I feel like when you learn an instrument, like, it's more than just a skill. I feel like it, it's, it's, you're on such a journey of learning and growth when you play an instrument, I feel like. So the fact that y'all can give that to patients is fantastic. I wonder if you could share a little bit more about your background, just in terms of your journey to your current role and sort of what it takes to become a music therapist. I mean, is it more of a medical background, more of a musical background? How does that sort of shake out? Yeah, so at least for me, I mean, music therapy is 
it's not a super, super common profession. So I had become aware of it around like middle school or so and kind of kept it in the back of my mind as something. Um, But towards the end of high school, when I was trying to figure out which colleges I wanted to apply to, I ended up applying to Shenandoah University. And when I was touring and hearing from some of the professors in the music therapy program there, it really, really clicked that that was where I wanted to go. So in order to become a music therapist, you have to go to an AMTA-associated college program. So for music therapy, you have basically the same curriculum as a typical music studies student, but along with that, you take psychology courses, anatomy courses, other things that will help prepare you as a music therapist. So you do have to have a pretty established foundation as a musician before you become a music therapist. At least where I went, you have to have like a major instrument and then you build on that. Like I learned guitar in college, I learned percussion, ukulele, things like that that you'll need in the field. And then about like maybe midway through your studies, you start actually um, participating in practicums. And so you go learn about different populations and work alongside established music therapists. And then after your undergraduate studies, you have to have a six-month internship at an approved internship site. And you have to complete 1,200 hours. And then once that is finished, you have to take the board certification exam. And if you successfully complete that, you become a music therapist. Congratulations. You've become a music therapist. (laughs) That's great. That is fascinating. So you mentioned guitar, ukulele, percussion. Those are your main instruments. Yeah. So I, I took piano lessons from about like fourth grade. So that was the instrument I was most established with. So that was my major instrument in college. And then... Like some folks come in with a voice major, so they learn piano along with all the other instruments. So That's cool. I've heard people say, some of my friends who are musicians, I've heard them say that piano is maybe the best one to learn first because it provides sort of that, that good foundation for learning other instruments. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but um, <laughs> I've heard it said before, so it sounds like you took the right path there. Yeah, I mean, it's different for everybody, but it definitely helped me a lot in um, some of the, like, higher theory, the music theory courses. It definitely helped. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, we saw an article that VCU Health put out about one of y'all's services in particular where you record a patient's heartbeat, set it to one of their favorite songs, and then present that recording to a patient's family, which is very touching. Talk to me about that program, the inspiration behind it, the process of making one of those recordings. What is that like? Yeah, so we had just started this. I mean, it's been within the last, like, four to five years. My colleague, Melissa Owens, had gone to a music therapy conference, and another music therapist was presenting on heartbeat recordings. And especially being in a medical setting, it makes so much sense to include this in our work. We do encounter a decent amount of patients who are at end of life. And on top of the services we already provide, it just, like I said, it made so much sense 
as a form of memory making, as a form of something that sometimes the patients can actively engage in. Like if a patient is aware that they're end of life, we can have the conversation of including that. And if that's something that they're interested in, we have a stethoscope that can record patient's heartbeat. And so we make a recording and then we edit it and loop it. And if we've talked to the patient or the family, they'll choose a song that's significant to them. We've had all kinds of different songs chosen and it's just a really, really beautiful thing to witness and participate in. Because like I've already said, I mean, music is so integral to human life. So this project in particular, it's just a beautiful way to remember a loved one. It's something that the family can have and listen to for years and share with one another. Yeah, that's fantastic. And this is this is neither here nor there, but I, I'm curious. So you record the heartbeat and then are you all performing the song yourselves? Or are you setting it to like studio recording or how does that work yeah so it varies so sometimes if it's a patient we've worked with for a decent amount of time and there's already an established relationship we'll talk to them sometimes and ask them what they would prefer Mm. Um, so sometimes a patient has a favorite song that we've used during sessions with one another and it adds a certain personal touch to record it ourselves but other times we're fully aware that like we cannot replicate some kinds of music and sometimes it is it is the original artist and the way that that is arranged and all of the different instruments or you know the voice of that particular artist that is really meaningful so it just depends on the patient preference yeah that makes sense well, that is an incredible program. It sounds like the entire music therapy department you'll have at VCU is just fantastic. I mean, it sounds like you all offer so many different services and to a wider array of patients, so that's, that's super cool. And we really appreciate you taking some time today and sharing that all with us. Before we let you go, we have a tradition on this Patients Come First podcast where we ask our guests two sort of fun questions just to close things out. So I have a list of 10 mystery questions that we'll draw from. When you're ready, if you just give me two numbers between 1 and 10, I'll read you those corresponding questions to close us out. Okay, I will go with 2 and 8. Okay, number 2. This will be a good one for a music therapist. If you were (laughs) stranded on a deserted island, what one book, one album, and one movie would you take with you to keep yourself company? We'll spot you a copy of the religious text of your choice. So other than that, what are your three (laughs) entertainment survival kit picks? Oh, man. I'm such like a music hopper, so I always am shifting around what I listen to. Um, Part of me wants to choose Bon Iver, but it might get too sad on that island. (laughs) Um, Might need some party music (laughs) or something. Probably The Shins. Oh, I love Um, it one of my favorite bands. 
And then movie. Let's see. One of my, I mean, one of my all-time favorites is Stand By Me, mm. another kind of sad one. But it always has a special place in my heart. I like it. For some, it's the last real taste of innocence. I'm never going to get out of this town now, my Gory. You can do anything you want, man. And the first real taste of life. This is really a good time. The most a blast. But for everyone, it's the time that memories are made of. So darling, darling, stand by me. Oh. And then... And if you want to do a series, that's fine too. Like, obviously, Harry Potter's big for me. So, <laughs> there's one. I think it's called The Gift of Self Compassion. Hmm. It is a beautiful book, and it um, changed the way I felt about myself in the world. Oh, perfect. So, that's one I can reread. Okay. Um, and number eight, tell me one memory from your life that whenever you think of it, it makes you smile. So, I have a senior dog and she is the just the most beautiful little being and the first time I took her to the beach she just had the best time digging in the sand and it was just the most beautiful thing to witness that she just uh just the simplicity and uh joy and digging a hole yes with a reckless abandon, I'm sure. Dogs, yes, exactly. Dogs are the best, aren't they? Dogs are fantastic. Truly. Well, those are both fantastic answers. And with that, we have come to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. We want to once again thank our guest, Molly Luck, for joining us today. Molly, thanks so much. It's been a real pleasure. Hey, thank you. Thank you.